Welcome to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I'm your host, Emily. I am a Kentucky native, now Boston-based artist, researcher, spirituality, and creativity teacher. I'm here to share with you stories and conversations that explore the sometimes subtle, sometimes epic ways that we as people discover our voices and begin consciously creating lives filled with meaning and expression. Powerful stories bridge the gaps between intellect and heart, between mundane and divine, between fantastical and practical. And I'm so excited to have you here sharing this space and being part of these conversations. Let's begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I am really excited to be here today because I am interviewing a good friend of mine. Um, (laughs) and someone who I think I tag the most on my social media account because she is also my photographer. I am interviewing Laura Alexandro Vessel today. Um, as I've mentioned, she is a photographer. She does family photography. She does wedding photography. She does portraiture for um, businesses, so like business suite photography. And she also does Bodour photography. And we are going to touch on a number of those on this podcast. And I actually have a lot of <laughs> sort of thoughts that were coming forward even after we did the interview that I'm going to kind of walk you through a little bit because I think photography is really really interesting in terms of how it affects us like spiritually but sort of how it helps us think about ourselves and um so in this episode we're going to talk about that like how photography gives us a vision of ourselves how it essentially like kind of like records a moment of time, like freeze frames a moment, right? Uh, or records the light um, of a moment. But also it is really interesting to be able to see yourself uh, from the outside and to have that like a moment where you, you know, go through the lens of another and come back in a way that you can actually view, which is interesting too. So we get into a lot of talk about this and also about the body and our relationship both to our own body and to the bodies of others um, and how the body or you could say the figure has been used in art history, like um, in landscapes, uh, the nude figure and things like that. So I do want to make sure that you are prepared going in, that you know we are also going to be talking about boudoir or boudoir (laughs) photography, which is um, intimate sort of, well, it means bedroom, uh, photos that you can have done. And I have to tell you, I've done these with Lauren and they are super incredible and wonderful uh, ways to do things. I have done um, pinup modeling and pinup photography in the past, Um, more on, if you're familiar with these terms, like cheesecake (laughs) side of things. So the like super vintage, like, oh my, kind of, kind of work. Um, And it's been interesting being in that business because when you do step in front of a camera, um, in, in less clothing than you would wear, say, like walking down the street, it collapses um, 
any kind of feelings that you have about your body, it, it sort of like pulls them all in and collapses them down so that you can like really see them. And then when you see the photos, you can look at that and it can be very, um, it can be very healing if you're working with yourself and your relationship with your body that way. But also it is an, a really interesting uh, area, I want to call it a gray zone, <laughs> where some people go in for these types of photographs because they're um, trying to make themselves uh, acceptable or desirable through the lens of the male gaze. Others come in with the idea that accepting and loving the fullness of your body and yourself and your sexuality is also an act of self-validation. And also full acceptance of things that society, frankly, tells women they're not allowed to be or have. And it becomes really interesting. Um, and so I'm getting Lauren's opinion on this because she's on the other side of the camera, right? Taking the photos. And we talk again so much about... Uh, <laughs> both like these aspects of this and... Um, and how photography like works for people and for her and how she got into the business of photography. I love Lauren's photos. I haven't seen any that are like um, each other. Like, so she's this massive and expressive range. And she's also a extremely talented painter. So if you are listening to this episode and you want to go ahead and head over to her website and see what she's got going on over there um, or head to her Instagram. The links are in the show notes so that you could kind of flip through the art while we talk. I did want to remind you that those are there. I also wanted to mention that this episode is an ongoing series or many series that I'm doing, not many, many, <laughs> on creativity. And this is one of those fabulous episodes on creativity, on how... Um, coming into a creative business can occur, and also on the ways that our creativity and our businesses can be very thought-provoking and can engage our awareness and be spiritual as well. So I hope that you enjoy this episode with Lauren. Here she is. Welcome, Lauren Alexandra Wessel, to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I am really excited to have you here. Yay! <laughs> Can you uh, start by telling folks a little bit about yourself and what you do? Um, my name is Lauren. I'm a professional photographer and painter, but painting has kind of taken a hiatus because photography takes up all of my time and energy and resources and uh, passion, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is not in limited supply, but I definitely am very like ebb and flow with painting, um, especially as an adult. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, let's see, what am I in terms of professional photography? I am a wedding photographer, family photographer, portrait, headshots, business photography, and, um, mainly currently a boudoir photographer because I found that that's really my niche, but I do a little bit of everything and it all crosses over in certain ways. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, for the listeners who don't know who maybe follow me on Instagram or Facebook, almost all of the gorgeous shots of me were taken by Lauren. So she is like my personal photographer. Yes, definitely <laughs> Emily's personal photographer. <laughs> 
So let's just start at the beginning. How'd you get into this work? Um, well, that is a, a very strange meandering story, but I, uh, was in an arts high school and did photography classes in high school and always took photos of my friends, uh, you know, even my friends in lingerie, even before it was like legal to do so. Cause we were like 17 and not really <laughs> supposed to be doing that. <laughs> But it definitely, like, set the stage for what I ended up doing later in life. And then I went to um, the School of the Art Institute of Chicago for my BFA. And I did painting and photography and performance art and a little bit of printmaking there. But um, mainly photography by the by the end, I think. And then I got, like, a normal corporate job for a while. <laughs> Where I did marketing and PR for a shared office space company. And I also that was in Chicago? There. Yes. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I did headshots and like city photos for that company to use for social media because I was running the marketing and I was like, oh, I can just take these photos myself. <laughs> I know how. Um, I don't have to hire someone. So I just did it myself. And at the same time, I was sort of on the side taking jobs um, doing family photography for friends and coworkers and family members, um, which then led to me like really getting serious about more of like a professional photography career. And then I quit my job and moved to Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> this and is new then, news to me. I feel like. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, I, yeah, I went to, for like a reset. Cause I was, I knew I wanted to leave Chicago. Uh, I just didn't know when or how, or like what I wanted to do. I was very much like, I miss trees. <laughs> I need to get out of here. So I have a love-hate relationship with Chicago for sure. I love it. I like visiting. I don't want to live there again. It yeah. was too, too cold. Um, so so I went to Alaska, which makes perfect sense. If I was <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. I'll just double down on the cold. <laughs> right. Well, I was there from like August to November, which was like perfect, perfect season. It was like autumn. I got to go photograph mountains and just sort of reset everything, start painting again. And then I moved back to Louisville, Kentucky, where I started my photo business. And it's kind of been nonstop from that. I had a huge network in Louisville um, of people that were willing to like sort of take a chance on sure. me starting out as a photographer. I'm sure also I was cheap. So that helped. <laughs> We've People had lots of are always cheap. So I, <laughs> I, I feel like one thing that is making me Google about this, that the listeners don't know about is that, um, when I first started working with Lauren, I told her I was going to pay her, even though we were friends and that, <laughs> <laughs> she was too cheap. I have been telling her that she's too inexpensive for years. <laughs> yes. Well, well, now I actually listen to you. And I've around. <laughs> but for a long but, time, I was still building my portfolio, which is yep. really important. And not charging the big bucks when you're just starting out is very important. So you can get experience. experience. And so you can mess up and not have it be like yes. the most important thing that somebody is doing. You know, like, Wedding photography, right? Like if you're spending a lot of money on wedding photography and somebody messes it up, you can get sued. So when I was first starting, I was like, 500 bucks. Sound good. Great. Uh, (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Like the first two weddings I did were for 500. And at that point I had already been doing family photography and portraits and stuff. So, and, and events. 
which yeah. is also important experience is like when you are doing different styles of photography, you can kind of do a wedding because you, a wedding is everything thrown into one, right? Yep. It's documentary photography, family portraits, regular like editorial portraits, um, event photography at the reception. Uh, it's all of it rolled into one. So you kind of have to have a little bit from each bag <laughs> to make it work. I and, yeah. never really thought about it that way. Yeah. yeah. If you only specialize in one thing and then you get thrown into a wedding, you're not going to know what to do. <laughs> yeah. And I'm Weddings sure you are need- literally everything. It's every genre of photography except, but not even like real estate photography because you take yep. photos of the venues. So yep. it's, it's everything. Yeah. And there's different lighting for yep. all the different kinds and different lenses and stuff. Like I'm thinking oh, yeah. about all of the expertise it takes to do all of those different genres, like yes. aside from all being together. And then, and then we have all the social pressures of this is the big day and it has to, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I need to look like a rock star and you need right. to make sure I look like a rock star. Right. Yeah. And most people start second shooting weddings yeah. where they are working with a an already established photographer and learning the trade from them, almost like an apprentice. Yep. I kind of wish I had done that. Instead, <laughs> I just sort of threw myself into the mix, not on purpose. I literally said, I was like, I don't do weddings. And they were like, but could you? And I'm like, oh, fine. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I was doing weddings. And so, yeah, I learned a lot. That first wedding... Man, I made a lot of mistakes. I used my on-camera flash, like the pop-up flash. This yeah, oh no. I had a camera that like didn't have that. So yeah, I definitely, it was, I mean, it was a great, it was a beautiful wedding. I took some beautiful photos. Yeah. But that's, that's not how I run my wedding photography anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I think that's so like interesting that you, I pointed that out, like, because well, we were just talking about pricing uh, when yeah. I first started. Because I, I know personally from having had a wedding and done shopping, and this was before I knew you or I would have hired you. Uh, yeah, wedding photographers out there start at like five grand and go up from there. And yeah. so when you say like five hundred, but you're recognizing I I I need experience in addition to skill and vision to make a good photo happen. Yes. I don't have the experience yet, so I'm not going to charge you like a crazy right. amount. Yeah. Um, and each year I, I basically doubled what I was charging because, yep. it, because I just, I, you learn a lot in a year and you do learn a lot in a year. Each wedding I learned a lot. Like first wedding I, I, I did what I did and it was fine. Um, <laughs> second wedding, you know, I got one of those like speed lights that go on top of my flash so I could bounce flash off the ceiling and that worked out great for that venue. And yeah. then, you know, the next wedding after that, I had to do something different. And after that, something different. So, like, everything built upon itself. And now, of course, I have, like, way too much gear. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to have to start hiring an assistant. But, no, not really. Um, <laughs> well, if I was I there, did, I would follow you around with your gear bag. <laughs> yes, I did make my boyfriend do that. We went out of town for a wedding last fall. It was my first, like, COVID wedding because everything else had canceled. Yep. And I was like, well, could you come with me anyway? Because I'm nervous about, like, getting back into weddings with COVID going on. And, like, I need somebody to carry my stuff. <laughs> and yep. he did. And now I can never go back. <laughs> having somebody else carry my camera bags is so nice I know <laughs> oh god yeah it, it's definitely a thing 
Um, and when I work with a second shooter, I don't make them carry my stuff because that would be super inappropriate. But maybe I could have a second shooter and an assistant. Yes. Well, I had, um, actually, I love that you kind of touched on this because I also think that a lot of people out there when they're getting ready to like start a small business or something, they see other people who they idolize, right? Like, so like, you know, famous photographers or whatever and their costs for the wedding and they immediately are like, I'm going to charge that, right? But, and and then they also have the immediate investment of all of the equipment. And it's so cool to hear you say that, like, I just was patient with myself as I went from point A to point B and I let myself make mistakes and I let myself problem solve. And almost in a way that feels really like authentic and awesome to me because you have control over all the whys versus if you had like been a second shooter for another person and learned the trade from them, you wouldn't necessarily understand all the whys. I mean, you might, but you don't have the personal experience with it going wrong. And so you don't also have the personal experience of solving it. Yeah, that's true. Um, second shooters, you get, you get somebody telling you like, this is why I do this. And this is why I do this. But like, you kind of have to figure out for yourself why you do it and your own style. Um, especially when it comes down to like lighting style, editing style is a big one as well. Um, I have a very painterly style. Um, You do. Yeah. I have like a very documentary style in a lot of ways, but also extremely painterly and editorial, um, especially for like portraits and couples portraits and stuff. Um, so yeah, but photographers also have this like super magical, horrible gift of being the worst at imposter syndrome ever. (laughs) So bad. Because like when you do look at somebody whose work you really admire and they're like, wow, like that they're charging so much. I will never be guaranteed to make that kind of money. And that might be true for a while, but like you can definitely work your way to that. Not right off the bat. I don't, I mean, like if you're still building your portfolio, like no, do it, do it for free and make your mistakes. Yep. But still um, do it with a contract. That's like the number one thing is get a contract. <laughs> Don't do anything without a contract. It doesn't matter. Just do it. <laughs> did you write your contract yourself or did you borrow them from a photography website or did you get legal help or advice on that? Um, I started out with a contract template that I found for free. And that gave me a lot of like the bare bones, like this is what you need. And as I have experienced things or heard horror stories from other photographers, I have added a lot of clauses and different things. And then this past year, I actually did buy a, a, a more robust contract um, that I have been able to edit to work for the different genres of photography that I work in, as well as adding things like force majeure clauses for COVID, like, you know, the whole acts of God thing that nobody yep. was expecting. And um, <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. And model releases and, and different types of model releases, especially with boudoir photography, I use yep. a limited model release, which only allows me to use anonymous photos. Um, a different kind of anonymous or limited model release where I can only use the photos for my website portfolio and not for social media. And then like a full model release or no model release. Some people choose to have their photos completely private. Um, and that's something very like unique to boudoir. That's not really something I offer in other genres of photography unless it's requested. Um, just because like you're kind of expected as part of the photographer client situation to 
be able to like share the photos as a photographer yep. in order for other people to find you and so that you can market off of them. And uh, for completely private, like if I was to do a wedding and not be able to show any of the photos in my portfolio, I'd have to charge a different price. Yeah, totally. When also I think we're getting into an interesting zone here in terms of like what it all means, right? Because right. you have as a photographer, the job of, or, or the gift of helping people see themselves in a certain way, right? Yeah. Like you make uh, image an identity into art, uh, through your camera, through your vision, through all of the skills that you have. And then through, I'm, I'm sure the editing process as well. And all of those are like, that's like such a massive gift to people yeah. <laughs> because, because it allows them to like hold on to memories in a different way because they can see them and be reminded yes. of the thing. It like, like you said, is like a documentary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it allows them to market and to show, like different facets of themselves. Right. And I'm curious, like kind of what thoughts that like you have, like, I'm sure you were drawn to, as you said earlier, I was drawn to taking photos of people. Mm-hmm. And I know from my experience with your painting that there are often uh, like self portraits. Yeah. So like identity is definitely a theme I see in your work. So yeah. I'm curious if you could like talk a little bit about that. And then we'll talk a little bit about why. Why maybe a boudoir like photo you can't share the same as a wedding photo? Right. I mean, I definitely, yeah, my paintings and my like portrait photography definitely have a lot of overlap for sure. Um, Definitely lots of like art historical influence, lots of Renaissance influence, um, whether it comes in through like the lighting or like the addition of costuming or whatever. it definitely is like an identity thing. It's also like I choose to do kind of two different styles of photography, even in just like in everything I do, right? I do much more posed, artistic, like this is what I want you to do and I'm going to make you do it for the photo. Mm-hmm. And then I also do the complete opposite. I make people do tons of candid stuff um, to get real expressions that are actually like true to who they are and true to the moment. Um, because that's like way more, probably a lot more important to the people I'm photographing and like the very artistic, like highbrow posing is sort of for me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, but one you hire a model for and the other, you you know, like, (laughs) Right. Yes. But I mean, like even in like engagement photos, I'm like, okay, let's do a few artsy ones just to, you know, satisfy that. And because like they also make really good wall art down the road if people want a little bit more of like an abstraction of who they are. (laughs) (laughs) Look in opposite directions and hold hands and then let go, you know. (laughs) Like the very extra pose. (laughs) I know, but I I feel like that's the type of like vision that a lot of people need because some people tend to freeze up in front of the camera. They're like, Oh my God, I'm having my photo taken. And then they like somehow weirdly give themselves triple chins and like, and you're like, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. I have a lot of posing prompts that I use for um, couples, especially families are a little easier because like kids, you can't predict anyway. (laughs) It's going to be candid no matter what. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. Yeah. For couples, it's like to get them out of their little, 
awkward photo shell. I'm like, all right, walk towards me and bump your butts together. And like, it gets people to laugh and have a lot more movement in the photos. Um, and definitely like it, it makes people, yeah, I think what you said about identity is really important. It, it, you look at your photos and you see yourself, you don't yep. see yourself posing for a photo. And that is a big difference. I think it, if we're going to also like, well, let's kind of pivot this a little bit and talk about boudoir photography. Um, if anyone out there struggles with like body dysmorphia or thinking that, you know, like always having in their head, this idea that they're like horrible and unattractive, right? When you do, uh, there was this time when I realized like I had been spending all this time telling myself like I was big, like really big. And the first time I had boudoir photography done, I was like, did you Photoshop my body? <laughs> like, did you make me smaller? And the photographer was like, no. Yeah. And I had a moment where I was like, oh, <laughs> like it, it was yeah. like a, a reckoning, but like also it, it was a beautiful like time to like see and accept the body as like beautiful and desirable outside of what you might see in a magazine or in a sports illustrated or something like that. So can you talk a little bit about like what that is and why you like doing it? (laughs) Um, for me, boudoir is definitely like an empowerment form of photography for sure. Um, whether it's because, the subject has a lot of body image issues um, or they're trying to get their confidence back. And like, it's not a magic wand. It's not going to like fix everything right away and nor should it because like, I I can't fix people. Like (laughs) I'm not going to make you love yourself. I have a hard time enough loving my own self. So, but boudoir photos definitely give you a different perspective on what you look like. A lot of people, like you, you don't, you don't get to see what you look like from behind. So when people <laughs> get those amazing booty photos back, they're like, what? That's what I look like? And you're like, yeah, yeah, dude. Like your butt's amazing. And they're like, back muscles. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. All, everybody has back muscles. I mean, like it, it's a thing. And I, I personally do not do, um, any body edits like I don't photoshop people to make them skinnier I don't completely get rid of texture I think my rule of thumb is if it's going to be there in two weeks I'm not going to get rid of it so awesome holes scars freckles like to the best of my ability I try and leave those in I do a bit of skin smoothing because my camera picks up way too many things (laughs) (laughs) listen high definition is not made for for everybody (laughs) well it is made for everybody but you need to kind of smooth it out because like you don't need to count every single pore on the tip of your nose that's not no that's not what we're here for I want you to be able to count every eyelash but (laughs) yeah yeah um so I definitely do in my editing process I don't body edit and I make that clear to all of my clients that they don't have to love every photo of themselves but like that is truly themselves that are in the photo I love that well, yeah. what I mean, like for for listeners who have literally never heard that word before, what is oh, sure. boudoir photography? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, boudoir photography has changed a lot over the years. Yes. It started out as a very like glamour style photography where it was just women in lingerie looking beautiful, usually with a lot of hair and makeup done, um, excess jewelry, expensive lingerie, usually in a photographer's studio. Um, 
And it has, it's still, that still exists, that more glamorous style of boudoir. Um, things have definitely changed over the last few years to include a lot more size diversity mm-hmm. and race diversity and yes. just like a, a lot more inclusivity in the boudoir community, especially amongst boudoir photographers, educating themselves on how to better serve their clients. Um, there is a boudoir photographer and educator named Terry Hofford, who is a huge proponent and a huge influence on me for like doing things the right way for your clients and making sure that you're not psychologically damaging anybody (laughs) and that you get consent. You know, if you're going to touch someone to move a hair out of place, make sure you get consent. That's a huge deal for me. People are usually like, Oh yeah, whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not whatever. Like, I need you to tell me that I can adjust your straps or retie this bow or, you know, whatever it is that I have to touch someone, which I, like, I try not to touch anybody because COVID, but yeah, sometimes you got to adjust a little here and there. Um, so I got a little bit off track. So boudoir now is <laughs> <laughs> a lot more about like body image empowerment and feeling good about yourself and having beautiful photos taken. And in my opinion, the kind of boudoir photography that I do is a lot more like vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It is still very glamorous, but it is also a bit more vulnerable for people. Um, And my boudoir studio is not like a super crazy equipped photography studio. It's literally a room in my house. Um, I'm obsessed with vintage furniture and textures and patterns. So that's, that comes through a lot in my studio a lot of natural light, but I definitely supplement with uh, a ring light here or there, maybe a flash, um, just to add a little bit on a cloudy day. <laughs> and yeah, but like boudoir could be outside. Like we did boudoir photos in the woods. So. We did do boudoir photos in the woods and they are fire. Like, oh, I love them. They're some of my favorites. I took, I took one of my boudoir models who was a friend visiting um, to, to a field behind a Dollar General that had a bunch of hay bales like all yes. rolled up and I made her pose with the hay bales and it was amazing. And like there are people out there that are going to be like, that's not boudoir. That's not in a bedroom. Boudoir literally means bedroom. And I'm yep. like, yeah, but I don't care what you think. It's boudoir. Yeah. It's cowgirl I- boudoir. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> Um, <laughs> next one's going to be on a horse. <laughs> yeah, somebody lend me a horse um, that I can make somebody do a back bend on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, the genre has definitely expanded to the point where a lot of people that used to call what they did boudoir photography now call it empowerment photography. Yep. And I definitely think I'm heading in that direction, but I like the word boudoir so much. And People that are searching for that kind of experience don't know what else to call it. So yep. the, like, I will always call myself a boudoir photographer, I think, at this point. So why do people, why do, why do people come in and have a boudoir shoot? Well, half the time it's because they want to give their fiancé something on the wedding day and they do <laughs> bridal boudoir. Yeah. And for those cases, I always try to make sure that they want to do it for themselves as well because yeah. there's nothing worse than being like, look at these pretty photos. Aren't they nice? And having somebody be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) You don't want that reaction. And, but like, if you are doing this session for yourself first, then it doesn't matter what they think. They just get to benefit from the like outcome of the photo shoot. And that's really what I want from people. But I totally understand that like bridal boudoir is a whole thing. That's what a lot of my clients lately have been. Um, 
so there's, there's that for sure. There's also people that are maybe like not getting married, but they're having an anniversary, Mm -hmm. um, like a 15 year anniversary. That's been one that's come up lately and they want to give a gift. Um, people that just want to do it for themselves just to see themselves in a different light. Yeah. Um, people who are having body image issues and think that a boudoir session will help, which I do think it's a great first step. Yep. Or like, you know, oh, no, there, there definitely needs to be other self-work happening. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm not a therapist. I do not yep. know how to do the things. <laughs> I just know how to tell you your booty looks good. <laughs> I'm a booty stylist and that's fine. Um, that's literally become my life and that's, it's great. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's like huge range of people. I mean, there's people that are really interested in, in like doing modeling, but they're not a model. So they have to like hire out a photographer and they want to like build a portfolio that way, or they just want photos of themselves. Some people just want really beautiful, glamorous photos of themselves. And that's absolutely valid and amazing. And I totally align my practice like with that perspective yeah I take self-portraits all the time now like in my in a boudoir setting just so that I have like a constant like reminder of like this is why I'm doing what I'm doing because I like damn my butt looks good your butt does look good <laughs> I've been I've been checking on your pictures <laughs> but Thanks. like I, I think I think one of the interesting things for me as you're talking about this and as I am thinking about this as well is like the difference between like a, a, you know, a portrait session and a boudoir mm-hmm. session is that level of intimacy. Absolutely. And a lot of times, and for anyone listening, like a lot of times socially we're made to think that our um, sexuality isn't sacred or isn't a welcome thing or isn't something that we're allowed to look at. And so when we get into like boudoir photography, we're also in that zone where people have a lot of those things coming up. Um, but also, and the taboo can be really fun. Yeah. The tab. Oh yeah. I mean, we could, we could even talk about kink here, which I think you've done with, um, on another podcast with, um, oh my God, why am I blanking on her name? Maddie. Thank you. I'm like, she's a mutual friend. What's wrong with me? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. We did a little bit of a more kink centric, like content, for her boudoir session as like uh-huh. for sure we took some photos and handcuffs and body harnesses and some wax play so yeah but, and, and I'm absolutely a kink friendly photographer I'm an everything friendly photographer I think the only thing that I wouldn't allow in my studio is a handgun and it's fair enough <laughs> like a flag or like a swastika flag you know like I like don't be anti. Yeah. I am for everything. Just don't be anti anything. (laughs) (laughs) I will accept you and love you unless you're being hateful. And then I'm not going to take your photo. Like (laughs) Like, I'm kink friendly. I am every, like every boundaries. Yeah. I do. I would do male boudoir. I currently haven't had, I'm like in the process of booking some male boudoir stuff, but it's one of those things that I think is, is a lot harder for people to get into. Um, yeah, well, fine. Because we're also dealing here with a little bit of the concept of the male gaze, right? Oh, absolutely. Which, which is one of the reasons, and viewers, if you've never heard that word before, <laughs> it, it is the way that we look at photos needing to be attractive to men, specifically yes. white men, usually uh, cisgendered white men. And, um, and one of the things that I love about your boudoir photography is they they aren't just 
focused on the like boobs yeah. or the, I mean, like we've talked about boobs and butts and stuff like that, but like oh, yeah. the, the photos look like they are shot to be respectful of the woman and to yeah. give her a sense of identity and agency, which is yeah. really, really, I, I think also like right. a, a reason to have these photos done because you, as a, as a person who has had Lauren shoot me now twice <laughs> in the bedroom and outside, <laughs> yes. um, it's so nice to have those photos and then to be able to like see and experience your own sexuality, your own pleasure, yes. your own beauty from the outside too, which Absolutely. is like a really interesting viewpoint that you offer to people. And I think something that's very empowering. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I definitely well. take photos from a like empower yourself through your own sexuality point of view yep. versus like, oh, your husband's gonna really like the way your yeah. boobs look. And <laughs> like, damn, your boobs look good. And I, even I recognize that as a straight female. Like, <laughs> I recognize, like, yes, your titties look amazing. Get it, girl. Yes. And, like, there's also just, yeah, it's it's definitely, it can be like, some people choose to do a much more sexual like photo shoot for sure. And some people are definitely more like, no, like let's edge on the side of like flirtatious. And I'm like, yeah, also totally fine. We're still going to do booty shots though. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you, I I feel like boudoir is um, like a Venn diagram portraiture and I'm, I'm not going to say pornography, but I mean like, erotica yeah that's a better like term but the border between erotica (laughs) and on the other side of that is pornography and so you kind of like are this interesting like balance between those kinds of things the socially acceptable like version of what would you know if if taken further could be put on only bands yes yeah Yeah. Uh, and and that's an interesting like dialogue and negotiation that you make between you and your client. Like, yes. yeah. And I'm also to- like, I'm sex worker friendly. I'm only friends friendly. Like, like I said, I, I'm everything friendly, yeah. but it's, it's definitely, not, no it is definitely a thing <laughs> of like, there is a lot of voyeurism. Um, I love to take photos of people reflected in mirrors or through windows, or, you know, through some kind of, like, foliage. I have a ton of plants in my studio, so that happens a lot. Um, (laughs) Because there is that voyeuristic point of view, and, like, it doesn't have to be necessarily a male gaze, but, like, you are having your photo taken, and seeing photos like that kind of reminds you, like, of that perspective. Like, the photographer's gaze is evident in those photos more than when it's just a straight photo. It's awesome. I'm kind of curious, like what your journey has been like with, I mean, you could talk about with portraiture. You've talked a little bit about what your journey was like with weddings, with Mm -hmm. boudoir. And also like, you told me you have another genre. What is the other genre you do? I mean, everything. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, can you maybe talk about how like you got start, like how that's been and how you've been sort of like dealing with the negotiation of those things within yourself too. And like the way that you sort of like support yourself in thinking about these things or these concepts or these concerns as you've been developing as a photographer. Yeah. Um, my journey as a boudoir photographer, I guess really did start, like I said, in high school where I was like 
photographing my underage friends. Um, (laughs) I kind of gloss over that, but like it, that was, that was maybe not the best idea at the time, but, um, it, I definitely have always been interested in like fine art nudes, um, Mm -hmm. as a, as a, as a subject matter. And I did a bit of that in college. I did a lot of body painting photography in college, um, as like a project where I would take usually female bodies, but not exclusively. I definitely had lots of, uh, Willing male models, especially when I was traveling abroad, um, <laughs> who were willing to be all painted up and posed in the landscape because I was addressing like the juxtaposition of the human body and landscape and using kind of body painting as a way to combine the two or separate the two. Mm, yeah, but drawing yeah. attention to that border and that distinction. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, that has influenced me a lot for sure. Um, I never really thought of boudoir as something I wanted to do until I started becoming like a professional photographer and that became a genre that was more open to me, Uh but I didn't have a ton of people interested in doing it uh, until I had built up my portfolio. That's another one of those, like take photos of your friends for free until you, you know, have (laughs) mastered the craft. Yep. And I definitely, I at the time I was doing a lot of family and wedding photography and event photography and, but boudoir was one of those things where I was like, oh, but I really want to do this. Yep. <laughs> this is what I really want to do. I just want to take pictures of, of people and make them feel good. Uh, women, men in between everything. I just, I want people to feel good about themselves through photography, but I didn't know how to like do that at the time um, until I had gotten a few sessions under my belt and had kind of, figured out my style and what I wanted to do and had a variety of, of bodies in front mm-hmm. of my camera. And that's when I started getting people that are like, wow, I, re- I love what I have seen of your work because it's respectful. It's, yep. um, or, or disrespectful depending on the photo shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then honestly COVID hit yeah. And it seems like everybody was like, well, I'm not getting married this year. I guess I'll do a boudoir photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a logical progression. <laughs> right. But it's safer, I guess, you know, it's just me and one other person in my studio um, versus like being surrounded by people at a wedding or an event and the, you know, the events were canceled and I was still doing family photography. Once everything reopened, I was doing families and engagements and stuff. Um, but boudoir definitely like reared its head and was like, (laughs) Hey girl, give me some love. (laughs) People are doing this now. And seriously, the boudoir photography community has exploded in the last year. Absolutely mind bogglingly. So I almost find this surprising, but then I don't. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's a genre of photography that is open to people now that we're now that there's not a lot of other stuff going on. Um, weddings canceled, uh, yeah. people that are planning on getting married maybe aren't booking yet because they don't know what the what the landscape is going to be like. Yeah. Uh events canceled, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So boudoir became like I don't know. Maybe people were just spending a lot more time on the internet. Yeah. I would actually think like, I'm sorry, like trying to think like if I were single or something, like those would be interesting images to have to like 
like use for a dating profile. Maybe if, if maybe. yeah, maybe, I don't know. It depends on the picture. Right. But yeah. like, <laughs> and I like, do well, like some straight portraits when I do boudoir, just so that people have options too. Yes. <laughs> Here's one you can share with your grandma. Here's right. one that you definitely can't share with your grandma. Yeah. Here's one that looks like you're maybe in a tank top number. Um, yeah. Or body suits are probably my favorite, most versatile piece of lingerie because they look good on everybody and they can be as risque or as conservative as you want. I know know, I've used one of the photos that you took of me in the green bodysuit, like uh, on my like professional page. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that one even more so because it's got sleeves. Yeah. I love that picture so much. Yeah, me too. Yeah, did self-edit some of the cleavage out. Um, (laughs) Because Instagram takes things down. and Yeah, I have to edit people's nipples out if I want to post them on Instagram. I feel like that's a whole separate conversation is that, like, desire to control or restrict what women can or can't show of their bodies. But I also find it, like, I find it so interesting that the, like, that you said you also really love like nudes and art because yes. the body becomes allegory at that point and as a stand in for like larger uh, primal forces or uh, like the unseen. And so it's really interesting too, that you're sort of like bringing that knowledge or that background in to how you approach like uh, boudoir photography, but also portraiture. And oh, yeah. I would assume also like relationships too. like anytime the body is there, it's, there's a story to be told. And mm-hmm. Yes. A lot of my branding on my website has become very like, let me tell your story through photography. Perfect. (laughs) Like I'm creating art, but it's also like writing your story through images. And that's become a very, like a very important like perspective for for my brand because I truly believe that I'm doing that. Yeah. Let me tell your story. And (laughs) like, especially because I have a lot of clients that come to me from engagement photos to weddings to maternity photos if they get pregnant to newborn and then family photos and then if they get pregnant again and then yeah boudoir shoot in there somewhere I see these people through their their life's journey in like and, and that's a very like traditional way of you know of a story to be told but I definitely have a lot of clients who fit that mold and I absolutely love and respect that 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 storyline. And so I want to, sh- I want to share it in like the most emotional and true and authentic way as I can. So yeah. That's beautiful. Thanks. Well, how can people work with you? What you got going on right now? I mean, I'm booking boudoir photos, photos, you know, 2021. Uh, my, schedule is pretty open except for like a couple of months here and there I have completely booked um with boudoir or with a little bit of everything okay yeah in June I have two boudoir sessions two portrait sessions and two weddings so that's I'm I'm not booking anything else (laughs) June is done (laughs) June is done and probably half of July because that's going to take me a minute (laughs) and then yeah I don't know my fall always books up because of people wanting family photos for Christmas cards. So yeah. that's a little harder, but yeah. yeah. My rule of thumb is book your boudoir session at least, at the very least, six weeks before you need it. Like if you're doing boudoir and you need it for a wedding, 
it's going to mm-hmm. take a month for that album to get made. <laughs> yep. And if you're, yeah, basically, I mean, boudoir is one of the only like things that I really have that like stipulation is like, if you need something for Valentine's Day, you better book that in December. <laughs> yeah, like not on the 13th. <laughs> right. You well, you already shot for pictures. Can I just have them? Right, yeah. <laughs> um, weddings and portraits and family are a little bit different. There's a little bit more flexibility. But where, where there's something where there's a product that needs to be made, you need to book at least six weeks in advance. <laughs> At least. <laughs> I I also love, like, and let's talk about this for a second. I love that the other part of your story has been also, like, a story of uh, learning uh, how to price yourself appropriately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and also, like, one of the things that I feel like a lot of, like, solopreneurs or entrepreneurs or coaches or whatever, they don't factor in is, like, what is the cost of my health insurance? What is the cost yeah. of this? And like all of the the costs of living in addition to also, I'm going to need to replace my camera this year and mm-hmm. I need to get storage for all these photos. And I, you know, like yeah. all, all of the things that I feel like when people look at pricing for like a piece of art or mm-hmm. a, a photo thing, they like don't see all the things that happen behind the scenes, right? Like all the ways you had to experiment with the lens, all Mm -hmm. of the, like, uh, how many hours do you usually spend editing per week, you know? Oh God, I don't even want to get into that. Don't tell (laughs) us. I think it'll horrify me. (laughs) Well, I also, I overshoot. So actually I spend more time culling my photo shoots down. Uh Um, So like, in, like, this is going to be really embarrassing for any other photographers listening, like, don't do (laughs) what I do. Please, please don't. I shoot over a thousand photos an hour. So for like an hour long boudoir session, I shoot like 1100 photos. And then I narrow it down to like 300 that my clients see during their image reveal. And then they get to pick their favorites from that. And that's what I do final edits on. But like the culling process takes me much longer than the editing process at this point because I am such a shutter bug. It's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) But it feeds something in your soul or you wouldn't keep doing it. (laughs) And it's one of those things I'm definitely a proponent of. If I don't take the picture, you're not going to have it. Yep. So like if you're second guessing, if you want that photo at your wedding, just let me take it. (laughs) Because otherwise, (laughs) like I can't produce something that I didn't take. Yep. Um, And that moment is gone if I don't capture it. So like... It's a little bit different. I still overshoot with boudoir photos, but I am I come from like a very like what if I miss the shot perspective of weddings and events and everything that my my boudoir photos take me a lot longer to cull down because I uh I take too many. But that's okay. Oh, photography is so magical when you think about it that way. Like that was yeah. a moment in time and I yep. captured it. Like I, I recorded it, you know, like yes. I feel like I, we could Yeah. I uh, enable people to time travel. Yes. I'm like a wizard. <laughs> oh my God. I love that so much. <laughs> I'm a Photoshop wizard. I'm a lighting wizard and I enable people to time travel. So, you know, I've just, I've, <laughs> it's my own kind of witchcraft that like is totally different than like burning sage and <laughs> onto crystals. Although I do keep a couple of crystals in my purse just for good luck. Oh, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Better than in your bra. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I, no judgment yeah. there no. for anybody who does that. It's just not comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially because it's COVID times and we're not wearing bras anymore. I would <laughs> ch- chant about freeing things, but I'm going to resist the urge. Um, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I love, I love that like added element that photography has. I also like, again, without tangenting us too far, I went to uh, art college also on the cusp of my undergraduate. We, everything was still film and yeah. you shot images of your artwork and they were slides. Yep. Oh, I remember that. And then there was a year for me between undergrad and grad school where everything, digital cameras finally had the ability to do high def stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was like all of a sudden, you know, everybody was shooting digital. It was such a weird transition. (laughs) Like, but also dark room. Yeah. Yeah. Photography has that like chemical alchemical magic happening or the, the idea of light being recorded now in zero zero ones. Um, Right. Instead of in like, yeah, in film form. Yeah. And it is, it's so interesting. Anyways. All right. So tell people where they can find you. Oh, okay. Um, my website is laurenalexandra.photography and my boudoir website is laurenalexandraboudoir.com. I'm on Instagram at laurenalexandra.photography and laurenalexandraboudoir. And I'm on Facebook, same basic structure. Um, and yeah, I'm located in Kentucky near Cincinnati, but I do travel between Louisville and where I am in Northern Kentucky and to Lexington as well. And I accept all travelers. So <laughs> <laughs> and if you have enough people that, that want a photo shoot wherever you are in the world and fly me out, I will totally do it. <laughs> Hell yeah. I feel like we should have you in Boston. All right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Get a workshop together. Let's do it. Yes. (laughs) I know that would be so fun. Well, thank you so much for coming on the sacred adventure begin podcast. Um, as you're heading out, what sort of advice would you give people who are starting on an artistic path or getting ready to start and go into business for themselves? Mm. Um, Um, figure out your cost of doing business. That's how you're going to figure out your pricing. Because even if you are still starting and you're like, I'm going to do it for free. Like, yeah, do that to build your portfolio and then find out what you need to survive as a yep. human being. Um, cost of doing business. <laughs> like, like, I mean, like that's what you were kind of talking about is like yeah. health insurance, car insurance, gas. Um, what's your rent going to look like if you're renting an office? What's that going to look like? Yep. Um, what do you need to like feed yourself to survive? And also to like live a comfortable life because um, your cost of doing business is going to be very, very personal to you. Yep. And if you're looking at what other people in your area are charging, that's not going to be what you need to survive. So oh, <laughs> I love that you said that. Yeah. It's perfect. And, yeah. and also you deserve to be paid for your skill, yes. your time, your talent, in addition yeah. to the bare minimum that you need to eat. <laughs> right. I think yeah. when I was, when I was selling paintings, I was always trying to like calculate like, like time and materials and labor. And I was like, that doesn't really work for me. Like, like what even is that? And then at some point I was charging things by square inch and that was like also stupid. I've done that Um, before. Yeah. I I mean, like when you have an emotional connection to the art that you're making, pricing is impossible. (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) So yeah. So no matter what you're doing from a creative standpoint, like, Figure out what pricing structure works for you. Figure out your cost of doing business and uh, stop comparing yourself to other people and imposter syndrome is real and you should treat it because it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Hire a coach, see a therapist, do something. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's so good to talk to you. I miss you. Come back to Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) Will do. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sacred Adventure Begin. If you feel inspired by these conversations, please consider joining us on Patreon and supporting the podcast. Your donations help keep us up and running and start at just $2 a month. Patrons now get additional episodes of the podcast as well as art images and readings at a super affordable monthly rate. And I would love to personally welcome you into that community. Special thanks and shout out to all the Patreon members who are currently out there and all of the donations Sacred Adventure Begin has received to date. It has been such a pleasure supporting you and helping you focus in on the truth, meaning, and wisdom that can be found in our lives and experiences. Thank you too for everyone out there listening. Know that I am sending you so much love, so much awareness, and so much self-acceptance at whatever stage in your journey you find yourself on today.